0: When Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he learned the power and the love of God. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we learn lessons from the Exodus and God's great rescue. We are in episode 38 of our study of Exodus, and we are in the middle of the Ten Commandments. We have studied the first three commandments— um, no other gods before me. Uh, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Holy. No graven images. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. So those are all uh, commandments that are focused on our relationship with God. And then we're now going to come into this what they call the second table of the commandments, which are more how we live socially as creatures. The first command, the first three commandments, are our relationship with God. In the last seven commandments our relationships with others and i would probably subdivide and we'll probably talk about this as we get it to the end of this ten commandments but i would subdivide this actually into three categories the first three would be our relationship with god uh the la- then the middle four our relationship with others and then the last two or three our relationships with ourselves that's kind of how i would dip, uh, break apart these commandments but that's so fine. I mean, we, we basically the way that we've always talked about two tablets, the first three with God and the last seven with others is fine with me. That's, the, all the commandments are good and worth following. But now we're breaking as opposed to we're making a shift. We've been talking about what it's like to have a relationship with God. And now we're going to talk about what it means to have a relationship in a society, in a group of people. And so even the the remember the Sabbath day is probably um, uh, you know remember the Sabbath day is is kind of we talked about this a little bit it is a commandment that is um, that is more for a society than it is for individuals honor your father and mother is more for um, families than it is for for a society. But, the, but but this next commandment that we're going to talk about is really one that is central to any any society that wants to exist. This is a pretty important commandment so we'll just go ahead and read it. it's not very long if I can get to it um, it goes like this you shall not murder <laughs> Exodus 2013 you shall not murder all right so and that is so true don't go murder somebody. Um, the the very first thing that happened after they got out of Garden of Eden, right? Cain and Abel. They, you know, Cain slew Abel. Why? Because he was an idiot. Because God liked Abel's sacrifice better than Cain's sacrifice. It made Abel, uh, Cain hap- or angry, and so he killed his brother, which was not a good thing to do. It is not good to kill your brother. <laughs> He's not there anymore. Once you kill somebody, they're dead. They're gone. It's a horrible thing. If you're going to live in a society, you just can't go around randomly killing people. I mean, that's good common sense. Even even I think people who don't even believe in God would probably say you can't go around killing people if you're going to live in a society together. Now, if you're not going to live in a society together, then then you have no moral. I mean, and if you look at the animal kingdom, that they go around killing things all the time right i mean that's if you use the animal kingdom as your marker for what's right and what's wrong it's a horrible marker because they they kill each other to eat Uh, some you know some of the animal kingdoms are cannibalistic they'll kill their own it's it's the animal kingdom is not a good reference or marker for a society to live together And God knows this. And so he gives us the command, do not kill, do not murder. That's not what you're supposed to do. Now, there is so much that can be said about this commandment. So we'll spend a little bit of time about it. First of all, is it okay to go to war? Can you kill somebody if you're at war with somebody? That's a question that people have all the time. Uh, Are there different degrees of murder? Is it If you accidentally kill somebody, is that different than killing somebody purposely premeditatively? That's a good question. Um, If a person does murder someone, what should be the punishment for that murder? That's a good question also. All these things. All that God said at this point is don't kill or do not murder. That's it. And he leaves it up to Moses and later commandments to try to figure out what the penalty and the punishment should be for murdering but he does give the standard which says you shouldn't kill other people if you're gonna live as a community because you're social people you just shouldn't kill people and i would say that for the most part still in our western culture we believe that we shouldn't kill but that hasn't been the case throughout time for example if you have a slave there have been periods of times where it's okay for a master to kill their slave without any repercussions whatsoever. It's the slaves were property. If you are in a family, there have been periods of time when it's been okay that the family could kill a member of the family to preserve the integrity of the family, uh, and that that's been acceptable also. There, the, these are, there, there, have been, there have been cultures, the Incas and the Mayans, that actually sacrificed or killed people to their gods and they offered blood sacrifices human sacrifices to appease their god and that that was acceptable so saying you shall not murder as a standard without any qualifications behind it just leaves a lot of questions and so let's just talk about a few of those um for example is it okay to go to war well Pretty much from Augustine's just war theory, yes, it is okay if you go to war uh, and kill people. That, that is that protecting your tribe, if protecting your tribe requires you to kill other people in protection of your tribe, that's okay. And even in today's law, if somebody breaks into your house, your home, with the intent of trying to steal or do something in your house... I believe still legally today in the United States, it, you can kill that person and not have any repercussions for it. So th- there is some level of uh, leeway, I guess you could say, in this commandment that there are under certain circumstances, the ability to kill other people under certain circumstances. If they're threatening you, if they're attacking you, if they're at war with you, if there's aggression. Uh, If there's an accident, uh, these are things that are, that are somewhat acceptable. What is not acceptable is Cain and Abel. Cain being upset and angry with his brother and premeditating, I think, to kill his brother and actually killing his brother. That is unacceptable and it should be forbidden. And in the, uh, well, and so that should be forbidden. And, and the the whole sacrifices and the ful, the familial murder that that requires that is not that is not here in this commandment right now at this commandment right now it basically says you shall not murder God's laying down the gauntlet that says you really shouldn't kill anybody that's that's not how you live now people throughout the history of time even Christians have done a lot of killing and it has been they have justified it through various means and methods but The standard that God says is you should not murder. And I think being one of the Ten Commandments, it's a pretty good one. We should not kill people. That should be kind of a standard. But it's a problem. Because if you feel like you're being attacked and it's my life or somebody else's life, can you kill somebody? Now, legally, and I think throughout most of history, if your life is threatened and you take another life, that has been considered justifiable homicide. But there should be, even unjustifiable homicide, I think it should be, I think this standard places on us a conscience that says if we take another life, even if it's justified, we should grieve over that. We should, we should at some level feel guilt over that because we have taken another life. There should be some amount of pain in our life that's caused when we take somebody else's life. And I think that's good. I think that it should never be, we should never just wantonly, uh, casually, flippantly take somebody else's life. I think there should always be some sort of penalty in our brain, if at least, if we take somebody else's life. Now, Edgar Allan Poe, Write uh, the Telltale Heart spoke about this that there was a murder that happened, and the the Telltale Heart kept beating and and anguishing the person that killed, even though he got away with the murder, uh, he his still his psychological uh, state was one that he didn't feel like he got that it still was going to impact him for the rest of his life. I think that is true, and I think that at the root is what God is getting at is that you should not kill somebody because if you do it will follow you for the rest of your life you will have guilt for it for the rest of your life you'll have pain for it for the rest of your life it could even drive you insane at some point in your life if you kill somebody so don't do it the problem with it then is becomes well okay so I'm not gonna kill but what does that mean in the whole realm of living our life because there are situations where it may be very difficult well When God lays down the gauntlet that says, you shall not murder, all of a sudden, now, he has put in place a whole lot of things. One of the things that goes in place is, okay, the commandment says, you shall not murder. There's a person that's dead over here. Did that person die of natural causes or did that person die of murder? So now, every time there's a death, because of this commandment, now, every time that there's a death, there has to be an investigation as to why this person died and so on then now you have to have some sort of legal system somewhere along the line that allows for retribution for people that commit murder it this commandment now forces a legal system it forces a sheriff if you want to it forces law enforcement it forces judges Uh, It creates a whole system that now has to be paid for by society to enforce this law. Or if it's not paid for by society, then families would have to, you know, they'd have to do their own investigation, found out why their loved one died. And if they found out that their loved one died because of the hands of somebody else, then they have to take it upon themselves to get retribution. Which might mean that the tribe, you know, one tribe, one family goes after another family because they're going to get retribution for, for this, and then there's this Old Testament eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, life for a life. So if one tribe kills somebody in another tribe, even if it was by accident, uh, the the one tribe was legally justified to go and grab a life out of the other tribe that killed. And, you know, life for life, there's been that sort of punishment system. So it doesn't necessarily always require a legal system, but it does require a cost within a tribe to enforce this law. Because before this law, there was no retribution for murder, but now there's retribution for murder. And this set up a whole system of things to try to create a justice legal system for murder. Now, here in the United States, we have an incredibly complex and difficult system of of legal background and history and, and jurisprudence that dates back to the Magna Carta to help us enforce this law and to understand this law and come up with case law that's like, when is the murder justified? When is it not justified? And those sort of things, because it's just not so easy here in the United States we've classified murder into several different classifications. First degree murder is basically where you go out and you premeditate and you kill somebody and you know that you're gonna kill them, you know that it's wrong and you're gonna do it. and then you have second degree, third degree murder all the way down to manslaughter, which is it was an accident. We were driving in the car and a deer came and I swerved the car and I hit a tree and this person was killed and I'm so sorry and that's you know and that's manslaughter, you know one form of manslaughter. Manslaughter means it was an accident, I think. I I actually did kill, but it was an accident. Now, how do you know if it's manslaughter or first degree? Well, somebody has to make that determination. So now you need a legal, a a jurisprudence system to a judicial system to, to actually look into this and come up with was this first degree, second degree, third degree manslaughter or nothing. And so we have in our society, a huge legal system that will sort this out, but it comes at a cost. It comes at a huge cost. And the more that society breaks down, the more that cost increases. And we, by having what we call the rule of law in the United States, we almost de facto say we will pay whatever cost it takes to make sure that, we, that the rule of law is maintained. And as more and more murders happen, it puts more and more stress on the legal system to the point where it could overwhelm. Like if 50% of people were killed, there's no way that our, our legal system as it is written could address that. There just simply, there would be so much effort and manpower put into, you know, finding out what the, what the cost is. Oh, and here in the United States, we also have the cost of incarceration. So if it If it is a person that has killed and we decide we should remove them for society, right now in the United States, we take care of that person for life in the prison system. And there's a cost to that too. So you have this whole correctional system. Now that's not always been the case. In other um, societies through time, if it was a murder, it was just yes, murder, no murder, and they put you to death. And, it, and you may have had people put to death for manslaughter. And that's an unfortunate cost of this. But the fact is that there is a huge cost to society of incarceration that needs to be taken into account too. And the more people that are incarcerated, the more that cost goes up and up and up and up. So you have to be very, very careful whenever you write a law, any law, whenever you write a law, It's not just, hey, we wrote a law, we wash our hands of it and go away. No, any law that's on the books in our United States, no matter how benign it is, whether it's you shall not murder or whether it's not, you know, um, you know, you know, we, businesses should not be open on Sunday, right? So now somebody has to enforce, you know, the businesses are not open on Sunday. I mean, this isn't our law now, but I'm just talking about any law. Anytime you have a law, there's a financial cost behind it, always. So you need to be very, very careful as you pass a law because there is always a financial cost to enforce the law. And sometimes you have to create a whole system of things to make sure that the law is followed. And I don't know if legislatures get that because they pass a lot of laws. They think it's just, if they pass a law, it's no big deal. But if you've ever been involved in a bureaucracy uh, at the level of enforcing laws, you know that every time a law is passed, there's a cost to it, a departmental cost, a um, administrative cost, goods and services and time and all sorts of things to enforce those laws. It's always there. And I don't think legislatures understand that, But but if you've ever been involved in enforcing a law, you understand that there's always a cost to enforce a law. So the more laws on the books, the more manpower is required to enforce that law, to enforce those laws. And if you have, you shall not murder, now you have to have a judicial system and a correctional system or an execution system, a whole bunch of systems that are put in place to make sure that this doesn't get violated. Now, the, the advantage of this law is it does help a society live together. Like if the standard of a society is we're not going to kill each other in this society, that's a great thing. And a society should have that. I think every society should have that law. And I think every society should be moral and upright and understand that you shouldn't murder and not descend into anarchy. Because once you descend into anarchy, you can overwhelm the judicial system. And then then there's true anarchy and then then you're no longer a society. Now it's every person for themselves, which have been in you know, in societies. There's been every person for themselves. We've we've had that before. But if you're gonna live in a society, you gotta have you shall not murder. Doesn't make this one is not a hard thing for us at all. Um kind of kind of a bedrock principle of any society that's gonna live together. So this is not a problem. Here in the United States, we I don't know how many murders happen every year and how much it costs to defend just murders and how much it costs to incarcerate murderers, but I'm guessing it's not cheap, and there's a significant amount of money spent within our corporate tribalism that helps pay for this kind of thing. And, um, you know, if murders go up, which, uh, you know... S- Let's say that murders are going up. Everybody thinks that the problem is maybe, um, you know, uh, that it's easier to murder. Let me put it that way. Uh, But the true fact is if murder is going up, at its root is a breakdown of society, a breakdown of families, a breakdown of living together, a breakdown to moral standards. It's a breakdown at a very, very, very root level which is resulting in the murders, but you cannot stop murders by restricting access to murder weapons or, or things like that. If somebody wants to kill somebody, they will be able to do it no matter what. Um, but what we can do, or what I hope we would do, is try to create better moral structures within our education system for people not to want to murder people. And that is where I see us in our United States right now, is that there's just been a total breakdown in some locations, a breakdown of the family, breakdown of the education system, breakdown of the moral standards, breakdown of all sorts of things that result in higher murders. And we're not going to solve the problem just by restricting, you know, by just telling people not murder, right? We need to get to a really deep level of connection and commitment and love and security that will prevent people from a desire of murdering. And it's unfortunate that, you know, the, the one thing that would probably help more than anything else is strong families, strong moral teachings in our education system, the unified strong moral education system in our in our um, in our education system. But for some reason, our education system believes that teaching you shouldn't kill, like putting this commandment on a wall of a judicial building, is somehow violating church and state. So we're not going to teach anything in our school system that deals with morality because we all have different levels of morality and that sort of thing. And I I think... Um, you know, you shall not murder is just one of several different types of moral fiber things that should be in our society. And when we stopped, when we went from, um, because in the 1800s, all the schools were um, were basically state, uh, they were basically church run schools, every single one of them. Any school was uh, mostly a a Christian organization here in the United States. And that carried us through. Even when my mother went to school, uh, they opened up the day with prayer. Of course, she was in a small town. The two most important people were the one-room schoolhouse teacher and the and the preacher that, that ran the church. They were the two most powerful people in that community. So it wasn't any difficulty for him to come in and open the day with prayer. I mean, there, there was just, there was that, that linking of morality and religion and education that happened, uh, and then it broke somewhere around the 50s or 60s or 70s. That whole link broke, and we came up with the idea that we could educate our children without. Let's let all the morality happen in the family, and we'll just let the schools teach the, the um, you know the the reading and writing and arithmetic. But you can't do that. Because part of education, even at early on, um, we have to talk about the morality of your life and why you don't hurt other people and why you don't cheat and why you don't steal and all these sorts of things. Um, it's, and we've tried now for the last 40 or 50 years to say that there is a legal framework to teach this stuff that doesn't include God. And I just don't think it's gonna go anywhere. I think we probably at some point will either descend into anarchy or we will come to our senses and realize that maybe there is some level of morality that should be taught in the school system, even if it was as simple as the school system saying, listen, we can't teach you morality, we're forbidden, but we believe that it's so important that we highly encourage you to go to church on Sunday or to find some sort of structure in your life that teaches you the morality that's going to, Gets you through life. Um, I would, I would love it, even in our in our Vale school system, if they said, you know, morality is important. So make sure you go to church on Sunday. I mean, even that one sentence would be um, a great thing for our society. And it definitely would be church. Go to go to some, you know, go to something, uh, you know, sometime a week and and get some moral training. Make sure it's a part of your we can't teach in the school system but we know it's important we think you should teach it too just those words would be handy but it'll never happen there are too many powerful forces out there that believe that um, the moralistic training it oversteps boundaries and uh, so anyway i don't know how i got off on this on this tangent just to say that the this this is uh, an important commandment oh man and Jesus has something to say about this, too. Um, in Matthew 5 on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, I'll just bring it up and we'll read it. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fires of hell. And um, Jesus, when he came along, redefined murder to be basically belittling anybody, calling somebody a fool. Breaking relationships with people is a form of murder, and that is so true also. Um, It's not just basically sticking a real knife in somebody's heart, but also murder is sticking a knife in somebody's back, right? Right? figuratively betraying somebody calling somebody a fool there's all sorts of things that jesus said are murder that was never considered by moses um but you have to because as a society grows and progresses um you know jesus is all about the kingdom and his growth and um he doesn't he he thinks that anything that destroys a relationship is a form of murder and so we, as people, if we're going to live in society, should want the best for somebody else. We should continue to strive to maintain relationships. Um, that's what we should do. All right. Um, I think I think we'll end it there. I kind of went off on a tangent. I'm sorry about that. But um, yeah, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Gracious God, this commandment is such an important commandment, and we pray for your strength for your wisdom and understanding this commandment and following it, so we can live together in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.